Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God that I'd like to study with you this morning is just the first three verses from our Romans 8 reading, verses 11 through 13. That's printed out in the worship folder if you'd like to follow along. This might sound like a silly question. Are you alive? Have you ever wondered if you're like a character in a book or a movie and someone else is reading it and you're just acting out the part? Maybe you should pinch yourself and make sure. Didn't Lazarus have to wonder that when he came out of the grave? He had been dead for four days. He was still wrapped up like a mummy. And when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, he walked out. And did he look around and say, am I alive? Don't you think he had to pinch himself every single day just to be sure? Let me change the question. It'll sound similar, but I mean something different. Are you living? Well, that depends on how you define living. And in a few short verses from Romans 8 today, we're going to learn that God and the world define living differently. And I pray that when you leave worship today, you'll remember that God wants you to live. And today he tells us how. Live by the Spirit. If you've been coming to church most of your life, you've already heard this, but I, I want you to consider again the reality that you were born dead. Yes, God gave life to your body at conception. And when you were born, your brain was functioning and your heart was pumping blood and your lungs were moving air through your body, but you were still born dead in spirit. In the first verse of our reading, Paul said that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and there's the rub, when you were born, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead was not living in you. What was living in you was sin. And that sin not only separates you from God, it makes you dead. And even though you could argue that your body was alive or is alive because it's functioning, you could also argue that your body even was born dead, at least mortal, as Paul calls it in these verses. Ever since the, the moment your body was given life, it's been moving closer and closer and closer toward death. And that also is because of sin. About a month or so ago, we heard from Paul in Romans chapter 5, where he reminded us that because Adam sinned, we are all born in sin, and because we all live in sin, all die. And if your body dies with a dead spirit, then you suffer eternal death in both body and spirit, which is what we simply call hell. Separation from God forever. And that's why we need Jesus. Jesus was born alive. 
conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary without sin. He was alive both in his body and in his spirit because the Spirit of God lived in him and sin didn't. Now, the devil tried to change that. At the beginning of every Lent season, we hear how the devil tempted Jesus, not just after the 40 days in the desert, but throughout his entire life. But we heard how the devil said, oh, if you're the son of God, turn the stones into bread, jump off the cliff, bow down and worship me. Jesus, take the easy route, avoid suffering and death. And and Jesus won that battle. By trusting in God, Through the spirit that lived in him, Jesus resisted every single one of the devil's temptations. And if that was the end of the story, we would simply say that Jesus always lives. But we're getting closer and closer to the day when we remember that Jesus died. And that's because God put our sin on him. In Corinthians, Paul said, God made him who had no sin of his own... To be sin, to literally become sin for us. God took our sin and put it on Jesus, and that led to his death, at least in his body. Because Jesus' spirit never died. You realize that at death, your body and spirit separate. And so when Jesus died on the cross, his spirit went back to God while his body was buried and laid dead in a tomb For three days. But then on Easter Sunday morning, God sent his spirit to give Jesus his life again. He revived Jesus and Jesus rose from the dead and now he offers life to us. But it only comes one way. By the spirit who works through the gospel. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and he is, isn't he? Whether it was the word of God, the gospel spoken to you directly, or if it was the word connected to water in holy baptism, God gave his Holy Spirit who now lives in you. We call that faith. But the reality is, As again, we heard Jesus tell Nicodemus a few weeks ago, you were born again. Your body was given life on the day of your conception, and we use birthday because it's easier to identify. Your spirit was given life, likely on the day that you were baptized. And now you can honestly say that you are alive in both body and spirit, even though your body's still moving towards death. And that's because sin is worse than a cat, more than nine lives. It just keeps coming back. But God promises that even when your body dies, as long as your spirit is still living, as long as you still have faith in Jesus as a Savior, your spirit will live. Isn't that exactly what Jesus told Martha at the death of her brother Lazarus? He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die, because I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. 
Not only will your spirit live, but Jesus promises that one day, we call it the last day, he will come back and he will raise all of the dead. In the same way that he said, Lazarus, come out. He'll say, everyone, come out. And all the dead will be raised and your spirit and your body will be reunited. Except this time, it will be your best body. And I'm not talking about the way you look. The Bible simply says it will be glorified. Because sin will no longer be living in your body. It will have been cleansed by death and by Christ. And you will have a body that never again will hunger or thirst or have any aches and pains. It will never get sick, never need surgery, and never again experience death. That's our hope. That's Christianity, right? We believe in Jesus so that when we face death, our spirits will continue to live and we even live for the hope of the resurrection of the body. But do you realize that there's more? God wants you to live, but not just someday after you die. God wants you to live also this day. Which is why our faith in Jesus and our confidence in life for both body and spirit after death changes also the way that we live before death. Paul called it an obligation. He said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal or dying bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. And then his conclusion was, therefore, we have an obligation, but not to the flesh, not to our dying bodies in which sin is still living. But that is often how we live. I want you just to think for a few minutes this morning about how much time and energy and money we spend gratifying the desires and the cravings and the passions and the lusts of our flesh. I I get it. We need food and water and clothing and shelter, but, but I'm talking about the desires that go beyond our basic needs. And we can start with food. I'm sure that God intended sugar to be a simple Pleasure, but how often do you crave sugar or some other food? Maybe it's Lay's potato chips, or maybe it's beer, or it's wine, or even marijuana or something harder. How often does your body fire up with hormones and crave sexual gratification? which all too often today is not fulfilled between husband and wife within marriage, but is fulfilled through pornography or adultery or self-gratification. How much time and energy do you spend trying to earn another dollar simply for the security that you think you'll have if your bank account grows until the bank collapses or the stock market crashes, and then it feels like it's all out of control? How much do you crave recognition? You just want somebody to tell you that you're valuable or you're good or you're loved. 
I wonder if that's behind the youth sports craze. How much time and energy do you spend trying to simply win a game or a tournament or a championship? It's different for all of us. But every single day when we all wake up in the morning, our bodies demand that we fulfill the cravings of our flesh. And so often it goes beyond our basic needs. And, and if we live according to the flesh, we always run into problems. Number one, if we're living for ourselves, we don't have time or energy to serve God or others. Number two, it's never enough. You can never have enough ice cream or craft beer or success or money or recognition. Your sinful flesh always wants more. And often, not always, but often, it leads to destruction. If not you, you know somebody who has ruined their life in pursuit of fulfilling the passions of their flesh. Maybe it was their marriage, or they abandoned their kids, or they spent all of their money, or they simply ran their body ragged. And in the end, it all leads to death. Paul said it so simply. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. And not just in body, but also in spirit. Because if our goal every day is to gratify our flesh, we will even put to death the spirit of God living in us. But God wants you to live. And so he begs and pleads, live by the spirit. And Paul tells us how that looks. He said, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. So how exactly do you put to death the misdeeds of the body? God already started to do that in your baptism. God drowned the sin within you and raised up a new person, a new life. And now God wants you to live out your baptism every single day. And that's how we begin our worship services. It's very simple. It's confession and absolution. It's praying and acknowledging to God, I'm sinful, I've sinned, please forgive me. And every time we repent, we drown the sinful nature within us. And every time God announces, I do forgive you. By the blood of my son, I forgive you all of your sins. I have removed your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. I've buried your sins so far deep in the grave. I don't even remember that they happened. Every time God reminds you of your forgiveness, assures you of your forgiveness, he strengthens the spirit within you and drives sin more and more out of you. That's the first part of the process. It's repentance, confession, and absolution. I think that's the easy part. The next part's really hard. It's asking God to change our cravings, our desires, our passions. You'll have to decide if you agree with me or not, but I think for the most part we like sin. We don't like the idea of sin. We don't like the destruction that sin causes, but there are some sins that we like. 
or that are easy anyway to fall into because we like what it offers. And we need to ask God to change that. And I think the way that he can do it is by realizing the destruction that sin causes. I'm guessing in that if you know someone who died of a drug addiction, you don't just think drugs are a bad idea. You absolutely despise the idea that somebody is selling drugs in this country. Or if someone you love died in a car accident because of a drunk driver, you can't imagine why anybody would get behind the wheel and drive even after only one drink. You so despise those sins simply because you see the pain and suffering that they cause. And if we ask God to help us realize that satisfying our flesh always leads to destruction and death, then we will begin to hate the sin that tempts us. But there's also a positive side, and that's asking God to help us love the life that he offers. It comes through his word. I pray every day that God will increase my desire simply to read and hear and study his word so that I can receive more and more of his spirit and want more what God wants for me because that gives me life. And in fact, you already want it. You don't want somebody to just pat you on the back and tell you you're worthy or valuable once in a while. Don't you want to know that God loves you eternally and always regardless of how well you've done or how terribly you've done? You don't want just one shining moment of celebration because we won. You want a deep, eternal joy that no one can take away from you, even in the saddest of moments. You don't just want one night of rest or even a weekend or a week-long getaway. You want a peace that can never perish, spoil, or fade that's kept in heaven for you. You really don't want the life that this world has to offer because it's not life at all. You want the life that God gives by His Spirit. And so let me come back to my original questions. Are you alive? <clears throat> if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, then absolutely. You are alive in both body and spirit. And you can have confidence that even when your body dies, your spirit will live. And on the last day, so will your body. Are you living? You're going to have to wrestle with that. But I pray that the spirit living in you will lead you every day by the power of God's gospel, the word and sacraments, to hate sin and to love God's will. Because only then... Will you live today and tomorrow and every day when you live by the Spirit? Amen.